Let's pray together. God of all heavens, God of all creation, Lord, from now until forever, high above the universe, you are God. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one holy, no one good, no one right, no one worthy, but you, blessed, exalted, magnified, adored, be your holy name. Open our hearts this morning to hear your word. Help us, Father, hear your word. Help us this morning rejoice in your Son. God, humble us, shut our mouths, get us on our faces and our knees before you. Help me, Father, to speak your word with truth with humility, with love, with compassion, with boldness for the glory of your name and the salvation of sinners and the strength and encouragement and edification and hope and joy of your people who are yours forever by the work and righteousness of Christ alone. In his name we pray, amen. This weekend, we gathered, uh, many of us guys, to study endurance. Christians have to keep the faith. They have to endure. Not to earn their salvation, but to demonstrate the faith that they profess is real. And we tried to paint a biblical picture of what is at stake and whether or not we endure who our opponents are that threaten that endurance, Satan, the father of lies, the master of doubt, the world that he's infected with his poison and his lies and his deception, and then the worst enemy of all that threatens our endurance, ourselves, our own flesh, that wages war, according to 1 Peter, against our souls. Our flesh is actively waging war against our soul to get us to stop believing and doubt the gospel. And we tried to create a biblical picture of how we can fight to take hold of Christ. Is there any strategy? Is there anything we can deliberately and intentionally do? And I believe that there is, and it's profoundly and amazingly simple we can and saints, we will endure by beholding and believing Christ. That's it. By believing his word in the gospel, the beauty, the glory of Christ imparted to our souls by God's Holy Spirit is the means by which we endure. His glory and his beauty pull us towards him as our eyes are fixed on him. Everything else in the fight is peripheral. Jesus is our means, he's our goal, and he's our victory precisely because Jesus is 
our salvation. And so this morning, to close those sessions down, to bring you into it, to lift up your heart as well with the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ shown to us in God's inspired, inerrant, infallible word. That's what I want to do. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the center and the substance of all Scripture. You cannot interpret the Bible correctly if He's not your interpreter. He's not the center of Scripture in some general way because by default, well, the whole Bible is about God, and so of course it's by default about Jesus. That's not what I mean. He is the thematic and deliberate center in and through His work of redemption. He's central as Redeemer through the cross. The point of Scripture is to exalt Christ in the work of redemption. And so quickly, I want to lay that in context so you can see that I didn't make that up. It's not a a, a clever design to be able to preach a decent sermon. This is real. All right, listen to these things. You don't have to turn to these things unless you want to. Luke 24, 25 to 27, Jesus is speaking after he has risen from the dead. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Why was it necessary? Because God's word was on the line. His integrity was on the line. He predicted certain things. He's been saying one thing since he created the world. And it was necessary that Jesus come and fulfill it for God to remain holy and righteous and good. And beginning with Moses, that's the Old Testament, and all the prophets, all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And in verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Until Jesus came, nobody could understand it. Nobody was getting it right. Then he said to them, 44 and 45, These are my words, he's speaking to his disciples, that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that's how they would say the Old Testament what we know is the Old Testament, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And that's how you have to read the Bible from there. Nobody understood it until he opened their eyes to understand it. So when the apostles talk about him, it's with the illumination of Christ teaching them how to interpret everything they'd seen before. So in Acts 3.18, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. He said that in all the prophets. Acts 10.43, to him all the prophets bear witness. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now you might be saying, I don't remember reading in Micah or Nahum or Habakkuk or Hosea, or Haggai, that everyone that believes in Jesus Christ receives forgiveness through his name. He was there. He was there. He was always there. He's teaching us how to read the Bible. 
So when you come across 2 Corinthians 4 and read, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where do you find such a thing? In the face of Jesus Christ. So when I read 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, I hear preach Jesus. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So when 1 Corinthians 1.23, Paul says the same author as 2 Timothy, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. He's not saying two mutually exclusive things. Timothy, you preach the word, I'll preach Christ crucified. The word is Christ crucified. To preach the word is to preach Christ crucified. And to preach Christ crucified is to preach him risen, exalted, mediating, reigning now. So, turn if you would to the first chapter of Revelation. I'm going to focus on one part of this text, but I want to read before it and on the other side of it to put it in context. All right? Just listen to the glory of Jesus Christ. Listen to this text. Revelation 1, 1 through 18. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace, and listen to this, from him who is and who was and who is to come. Keep that phrase in your mind. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice, a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book 
and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. All flows from Him. All is flowing to Him. All moves from him and back to him. Everything that exists, exists and consists by him and in him. This is the nature of being the first and the last. The beginning and the end. The alpha and the omega. He who is and who was and who is to come. We are a moment. He is forever. We are a vapor. He is eternal. And we are the broken. And he is the healer. The God we worship, the one true and living God, he does not change. Over and over and over, they have been singing in heaven one thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They have been singing it forever. The essence of what God has done in creating the world to redeem a people through His Son is to bring more worshipers up into that one eternal song. And it is all because, it is all because of Jesus Christ. In eternity past, the living God was infinite, omnipotent, eternal, immortal, wise, triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Forever one God in three persons. And Jesus was second person of the Trinity. He lived in the expression of God's eternal, ineffable, majestic holiness, completely satisfied, completely glorious. The very definition of existence. Eons before the world was created, ages before you and I drew a breath, He was God and God alone and in Genesis. 
Jesus was the word by whom and through whom and for whom God created. The coming sacrifice who would crush the serpent's head. The true and better ark, a rescue not from water, but from fire. Abraham's seed, the blessing to all the nations. Abraham's lamb provided for the sacrifice. The true sojourner with no place to lay his head. The despised brother sold into slavery, rejected to triumph in the house of his enemy by the sovereign hand of God. In Exodus, he was the promise of deliverance, death to the gods of Egypt, the pathway out of slavery, the Passover lamb, his blood providing escape from death and the coming Sabbath rest for the people of God. In Leviticus, he was the true offering to come. The final sacrifice by whom God would be pleased. By whose blood sin would be taken away. And the coming feast. In Numbers, he was the obedient descendant and the coming shepherd who would care for his flock. In Deuteronomy, he was the coming true and perfect lover of God. The obedient son who would walk before his father in righteousness. And the soon coming, one true place of worship. For the people of God. In Joshua, he was the immortal deliverer who would never die and never need replaced. He was the commander of the Lord's army on the road to Jericho with a sword in his hand. In Judges, he was the pure and holy king for the people. The shout of Gideon at midnight, the wonderful name, the strength of Samson, who would tear down the temple of his enemies by his willful sacrifice. In Ruth, he was the house of bread where his people would find life. Our kinsman redeemer, nearer than Boaz and every other and the root of King David. In First and Second Samuel, he was the true prophet who is the source of all wisdom, the rightful king, the valiant shepherd, the giant slayer, the severed head holder before Jerusalem's gates, the friend who sticks closer than a brother, the one who showed mercy to the lame son of his enemy, the king's only peace and the song of deliverance. In first and second Kings, he was the covenant keeper, the temple builder, the comfort of the prophet and life to the widow's son. In first and second Chronicles, he was the line preserver. In Ezra, he was the prophet's word fulfilled, the king of all the kingdoms on the earth, the altar and the teacher. In Nehemiah, he was the answer to prayer and the rebuilder. In Esther, it was for him that the line was not destroyed. In Job, he was our gracious and merciful restorer. In Psalms, he was the sweet psalmist of Israel, the rock, the fortress, the deliverer, the shield, the horn of salvation, the stronghold, the high tower, the builder, the watchman, the refuge, the fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, the savior, the lamp, and the king. In Proverbs, he was the beginning and end of all wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he was the preacher's sermon. He was eternity. He was the source and the reason and the goal of what it means to exist. In the Song of Solomon, he was the breath of fresh air in a time of despair. The rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the giver of love and the very source and substance and goal of intimacy. In Isaiah, 
Jesus was the sign to be born of a virgin, the son to be given, the shoulders on whom David's kingdom would rest, the one whose name would be Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the holy arm of God, bare before the nations, the coming servant, silent before his shearers, our grief bearer, our sorrow carrier, wounded, oppressed, afflicted, and humble. And the promise of a new heavens and a new earth. In Jeremiah, he was the true shepherd, the true prophet, and the promise of a new covenant. In Lamentations, he was the son who would never disobey. The promise of new mercy and the coming restorer of the true Israel. In Ezekiel, he was the fire from heaven, the watchman, the faithful shepherd, the merciful sojourner in a field of blood and the new temple. In Daniel, he was the fourth man in the fire, the lion tamer, the dominion of heaven and earth, the son of man, the glory and the kingdom. In Hosea, he was the faithful husband and the true son, the true Israel called out of Egypt. In Joel, he was the trumpet and the alarm, death to the locust, the usher of the outpoured spirit and the coming savior of every nation. In Amos, he was the roar from Zion, the coming day of the Lord. In Obadiah, he was the savior king on Mount Zion. In Jonah, in Jonah, he was the willing missionary who one day would sleep peacefully in the bottom of a boat. And when terrified men awakened him, he would not be thrown into the storm. He would calm it. Because he was not running from his God, but to his God by way of Calvary. And he was the one, he was the one over whom all God's just, righteous, Waves and billows would one day roll for me. In Micah, he was the high place treader, the shepherd king, and the river to Zion. In Nahum, he was the Lord of history. In Habakkuk, he was the righteous one and the joy and satisfaction of the faithful. In Zephaniah, he was the reason for wrath. And redemption, the mighty one who would save, the one who would rejoice over his own with an eternal song of gladness. In Haggai, he was the restorer of David's house. David's house. In Zechariah, he was the divine warrior and the coming triumph. In Malachi, he was the great name among all the nations, the message and the messenger of the covenant, the refiner and the purifier and the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus was the song of Mary, the joy of Simeon, the hope of Anna, the baby born in a manger, the true Israel called out of Egypt, the son of David, son of man, the son of God, the word, the fulfillment of all prophecy, the fulfillment and substance and point of all scripture, the only begotten, good news for the poor, sight to blind eyes, sound to deaf ears, legs for the lame, the demon slayer, our healer, the feast 
from heaven, the living water, the treasure hidden in a field, the pearl of great price, grace and truth, new wine, true temple, the substance of worship, the bread of life, salt of the earth, light of the world, the door for lost sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, the truth, the life, the true vine, our sacrifice, our salvation, crucified, risen, the true exodus out of sin and before Abraham was, Jesus is the great I am. My throat is almost gone. For the God who was is the God who is and in acts He is the ascended King. The sender of the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Savior. The Apostles' Sermon. The only name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Stephen's welcome and the purchaser of his church. In Romans, he is the Gospel. Our Lord, the righteousness of God, our redemption, our propitiation, our peace with God, our reconciliation, our eternal life, the second and the last Adam, our freedom from the law, our joint heir, our intercessor, the riches of God's glory, the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense, the word that must be preached to the nations, the presenter of God's truthfulness and confirmation to God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In 1 Corinthians, he is the power and the wisdom of God, Lord over his church, the spiritual rock, the head of the body, the message of the gospel, the crucified and risen Savior, the first fruits of a new creation, and the firstborn from the dead, and our victory over death and the law. In 2 Corinthians, he is the leader of our procession, the fragrance of life and death, the bringer of the new covenant, the light of the gospel, the face where we behold the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, our judge, our constraining love, the new creation, the inexpressible gift, and our strength. In Galatians, he is the one true gospel, our freedom, Abraham's offspring, our advantage, our burden bearer, the giver of the law of Christ and the Israel of God. And in Ephesians, he is our Lord, the beloved of God, our redemption, our forgiveness, our inheritance, the head of the church, our resurrection, our peace, our cornerstone, the mystery revealed, the realization of God's eternal purpose. He who loves us, our faithful and perfect husband and our sanctifier. And in Philippians, he is our life, our fellow sufferer, the highly exalted one, the name above all names and surpassing worth. In Colossians, he alone is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, through him, for him were all things made. The fullness of God, he is before all things and in him alone all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the preeminent one, the head of all rule and authority, the canceller of our debt and the substance of every type and shadow. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our coming Savior and the one to be revealed 
with fire. In First and Second Timothy, he is the king of the ages, the one mediator between God and man, the savior of all people, the mystery of godliness and the speaker of sound doctrine. In Titus, he is the appearance of God's grace, our blessed hope, our great God and Savior, our purifier. In Philemon, he is our warden and he is our righteousness. In Hebrews, he is the final revelation of heaven, the radiance of the glory of God. Our elder brother, the better high priest whose sacrifice was offered once and for all, the mediator of a new and better covenant, the voice of a blood better than Abel's, the better and abiding possession. Listen, Jesus is just better. The founder and perfecter of our faith, struggling saints. The founder and perfecter of our faith, the builder and maker of the indestructible city and the mediator of God's eternal covenant. In James, he is the good and the perfect gift and the Lord of glory. In First and Second Peter, he is our inexpressible and glorious joy, the precious and spotless lamb, foreknown and manifest, the chosen and precious cornerstone of Zion, the stone that the builders rejected, the rock of offense, our sinless Savior, our example, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, our divine benefactor and the one majestic King. In First, Second, and Third John, He is our eternal life, our advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is our propitiation. And in Jude, He is the mercy of our God for the God who was and the God who is He is the God who is to come. And in Revelation, He forever will be the holder of the seven stars, the walker amongst the seven golden lampstands, entrance to the tree of life in the paradise of God, the one who died and came back to life, the conqueror, of the second death, the one from whose mouth comes the sharp two-edged sword, the giver of the hidden manna and the white stone with our new names, eyes like a flame of fire, feet like burnished bronze, the giver of authority over the nations, the giver of the morning star, the one with whom we will walk in white, the preserver of the book of life, the confessor of our names before the Father and His angels, the Holy One, the True One, the holder of David's keys, the opener and the closer of every door, the maker of the temple pillars, the scribe who writes down all names, the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation, the One who will grant a seat on His throne, which is in the midst of the throne of God the Father, the King over all on His throne. There is the Father. There is the Father adorned 
with jasper, carnelian, emeralds, rainbows, lightning, thunder, and fire. Surrounded by 24 thrones, 24 elders, and four beasts. Enclosed by a sea of glass. Worshipped by the ceaseless songs of eons and ages past, present, and yet to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And at His feet are the golden crowns of those who sing the other eternal song. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. In the midst of God the Father, the Lord God Almighty, there stands Jesus Christ, who forever will be the conquering Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of of David, the triumphant victor, the breaker of the seals and the opener of the scroll, the lamb standing as though he had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes. He is, will be the chorus of a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign reign on the earth surrounded by elders and beasts and angels numbering myriads and myriads that is hundreds of millions the lamb who was slain will hear worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to this lamb the text says every creature in heaven and on earth under the earth and in the sea, all of them, bears, lambs, lions, snakes, flies, possums, elephants, sharks, tigers, dogs, cats, sheep, goats, jellyfish, frogs, eagles, sparrows, deer, men, women, and children, they will all say to Him, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. For this, He was crucified. And they will never put another nail in His hands. They will never put another whip on His back or another thorn in His head. For Jesus forever will be the avenger of every last martyr the hurler of the mountains and the rocks, the Lamb who will come in wrath, the Lamb who will wash His servants' robes clean in His own blood, our eternal shepherd, the guide to springs of living water, the opener of the seventh seal, the king of the world, our testimony, the lamb standing on Mount Zion, the destruction of Babylon the great, our bridegroom, the host of our eternal supper, the rider on the white horse, faithful and true, the righteous judge and the declarer of war, a head full of diadems and his own secret name, his robe dipped in blood, he is and will always be the word of God, commander and chief of the armies of heaven, from his mouth comes the 
the sharp two-edged sword of the word of the living God. He will be the ruler of the nations. He will tread the winepress of the fury of God's wrath. And on his robe and on his thigh, he bears the mark, King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be the dragon slayer, death from above to all his enemies. But the true, eternal, and faithful husband of his bride the entrance to the new heavens and the new earth, the dryer of our tears, the end of our struggle with sin. Oh yes, he who makes all things new, he will be the end. Jesus Christ forever will be the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the quencher of our thirst, and our entrance into the city of God, wherein He is the lamp. We will see His face. We will put our hands in His. His name will be on our foreheads. He will be our light, and we will reign with Him forever and ever. He forever will be the root and the descendant of David, the bright and the morning star. And he is coming soon. So I ask you, what burden do you bear that the one I just described could not carry? What war are you fighting that the one I just described could not win? What sin do you struggle with that the one I just described could not free you from? What life have you lived that the one I just described could not deliver you from? What fear do you have that this one I just described could not conquer? What one do you love that is so far away that this one I just described could not find and rescue. Lay your burdens down. Come to Jesus. Have life in Him. This one, He alone, is your victory. Because He is the Lord and He reigns forever. The splendor of a king clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice. And age to age, he stands and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, and Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. Name above all names, worthy of all praise, the God who is and who was and who is to come, He is our only eternal 
Savior. Let's pray. Father, Father, come now and don't let the enemy steal the word from the hearts of these people. God, work now and move now. Father, take your word, engrave it on the hearts of your people and use it, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit to awaken those here who do not know you that they may see you and like Lazarus come running. Lord, may you be the great God this morning. May you send your spirit to bear witness to the glories of your son in all of our hearts. I praise you for who you are and for sending your indescribably amazing son. And in his name we pray.